um, verse one, and um, and then we will begin. Um, so I, I just think it's interesting how how God works things out um, because He had put um, Psalm one hundred seven on my mind when I was considering what to share at the mission on Friday and uh, developed some more thoughts as I went along. So I hope that this will be beneficial to all of us. The good thing about the Word of God is that um, God says of His own Word, My Word will not return void, but will accomplish every mission for which I have sent it. And so we can trust that God will be with us as we open his word. And um, so before we do that, though, can we um, just open in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you as imperfect human beings who can only grasp a little bit of your glory. Lord, we think of the disciples and we think of how stubborn they were and how um, stiff-necked they were and how untrusting they were. And it's easy for us to pass judgment on them and to, to say, why didn't they see? But if we're honest, we see ourselves in those disciples. We all have times when we fail to trust. We all have times when we struggle. And yet you remember, Lord, you, the Bible, um, the Psalms say that you remember that we are dust. And we're thankful for that. And so now as we open your word and we share a few thoughts, we ask that you would um, bless the words uh, of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and that they would be acceptable to you, my Redeemer, and that they would be beneficial to the hearers. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I'm going to uh, cover basically the first uh, 15 verses, just to give you an idea of where we're going. And um, today's message I have simply titled, Thank You, Lord. And my first point, is without Christ, we have no hope. And no more is this more prevalent than today when you um, turn on the news or you open your web browser and you, if you're like me, you might have as a homepage a newspaper and uh, then you see the headlines. And if you didn't have, if we didn't have Christ, the first reaction would be, where's my hope? Everything is going haywire. Everybody hates one another. And this has always been the case because mankind has always been evil. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart of man is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But now that we have 24-7 mass communication, we have even more opportunities to show how evil we are. We also have more opportunities for good, too, and so I don't want to leave you totally in despair, but I just see as the world 
looks at things, that's their goal, is to do anything but turn to God. It's kind of interesting how when hurricane when the hurricanes were coming into Florida this past uh, hurricane season, um, everybody was worried that it would be uh, catastrophic because all the radar models had this hurricane that was bigger than the landmass of Florida. So they thought it would be it would be disaster beyond anything they could comprehend. And I know our church family, as well as several others, uh, were on our knees in prayer for about a week or two before the hurricane hit. And, I, and all through the news media even, that's one time when you'll hear them say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Whatever they mean by that, they would say that. But then... And I'm not trying to diminish what happened in Florida because there were some extremely devastated spots. But as a whole, the hurricane in Florida did not inflict the damage that the forecasters were thinking. And so the response of the news media was, boy, they really got lucky. My friend's luck had nothing to do with it. We called out to God. We asked him to protect the people of Florida and at least among my friends, he answered with a resounding yes. And I know it was because of the prayers of his people. So it didn't have anything to do with luck. But let's look at the first um, five verses here of Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried, and I'll just include six here. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Let's, I just want to consider a couple of thoughts here. First of all, um, we see here, um, and in multiple places in the Psalms, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Now, we don't deserve his mercy. We deserve his judgment. We... Uh, along with our fallen forefather Adam, have transgressed his law. We have fallen far short of perfection. And yet, God's mercy is for us. This psalm was probably written 4,000 or more years ago. And yet it is nonetheless true. And then the psalmist says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now it's possible here that the psalmist is referring to a very physical enemy. I know David would, would write psalms in times that he was facing physical persecution from Saul or someone else. Imagine 
being the son-in-law of the king and having that king want to kill you. But that was the reality that David lived with. And so he would often write from a physical perspective of how God had delivered him. But it no doubt is also speaking of a spiritual truth. If you are redeemed tonight, if you are one of his followers, and I was scrolling through the hymnal before we began, and there was a song, a song, I'm not familiar with it, but it basically is called Count Me. And it basically is a plea to God that when Jesus comes back, count me among one of the followers. Because you know, there really are only two choices. Either we'll be counted as a follower of Christ, or we'll be counted as an enemy of Christ. There is no middle ground. And then I think it's interesting that he talks about in verse 3, that he gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You know, we, we sing a couple songs that says that out of every tribe and every kindred, there will be people that are standing in glory together, unified in their praise of the Lord. And it's really neat to have met um, several people from India in our church, and then people from other countries through the assemblies, um, because the assemblies do seem to be a pretty close-knit group, even from other countries. We know brothers and sisters in Spain, and Ireland, and Scotland, and that's just so exciting. But we're going to see even more groups represented in the final count when we are when the role is called up yonder. And it says they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way and they found no city to dwell in. Isn't that the way of the world today? Nobody has a place where they can have peace. They all blame other people for their problems. Instead of looking to themselves and saying, hey, I've got a problem, and only God, only God can solve it. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Have you ever been there? I know I have. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to continue living. Especially as a young teen, I struggled with my self-identity. Struggled with why God would put me in this wheelchair when all I wanted to do is serve him. I remember telling God, you know, God, I've been raised to believe that you make no mistakes, but you must have made at least one. Because here I am in this wheelchair. What are you going to do about it? And I spent a lot of years asking that question. So I could definitely relate to this first portion of our passage tonight. Where, to this point, we have no hope. I have a cross-reference here of 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. If someone could look that up and stand and read it for me. I do this for two reasons. Number one, it makes it easier for me because I don't have to thumb through my Bible so many times. And number two, hopefully it keeps you awake. So um, if somebody could get that passage for me, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, 
the blood of Christ. I think it's so great how God works because we referenced this passage of scripture in the breaking of bread this morning and I had no idea when I was preparing my notes yesterday that it would be included. But how great is it to know that we as believers went from this hopeless state that we read about in the first five verses to the state of knowing that we've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. The greatest price that could ever be paid. And not only that, but it's a price that will never be refunded. It will never be found wanting. It will always be enough. We sing a song that says, a song that says, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. And how true that is. Jesus died once for all. As we think about our thanks to God for what he has done for us, I just want to share this brief reading um, from the content newsletter, June 1990. It says, Why did only one cleansed leper return to thank Jesus? The following are nine suggested reasons why the nine did not return. One waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said he would see Jesus later. One decided he never had leprosy. One said he would have gotten well anyway. One gave glory to the priests. One said, oh well, Jesus didn't really do anything. One said any rabbi could have done it. And one said, I was already much improved. Now, we don't know for sure if that were, those were thoughts going through in their minds, but in the world's way of thinking, they can solve their problems by themselves. And they look everywhere but up. Psalm 121 has one of my favorite passages when it says, I will look unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh even from God, who hath made heaven and earth. If we ever forget that, then we're in trouble. Okay. Our second point is knowing Christ is to know hope. Psalm 107, 6 to 9. Reading verse 6 again. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they may go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfied the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Now, this is uh, another group of verses that um, can be a little difficult to understand because we can interpret them as being led out of difficult situations in this present life, and surely that is the case. But I can tell you by way of testimony that when I finally got right with God, I didn't just suddenly wake up with the ability to walk. I still had to get into my wheelchair and still had to live with the reality that my physical healing would take place later. And I've had two or three times in my life when people have told me that they believe that if I would just get right with God, then I could walk. Now, I can be honest with you and tell you that I'm a sinner. 
And not, I don't walk every day in as close a fellowship with God as I should, but I know this. I know that my fellowship with God is not impeded by my wheelchair. And I know that my wheelchair is not an evidence of my lack of fellowship with God. It's like Jesus said to the blind man, this is not for your sin or your parents' sin, but that the glory of God may be revealed. And I really believe that God has worked that in my life. And then... um, It's just interesting in this um, seventh verse that he led them in the right way. The Bible says there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's several uh, times, at least two or three times in this psalm, where it says the same verse over and over again, so obviously we need to give the message. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If we want to see revival in our country, this is how. Giving praise to Almighty God. In John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Jesus said, I am come. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Do you know Christ? That even in the midst of your trials, you can know hope. <coughs> From Prade Magazine comes the story of self-made millionaire Eugene Land, who greatly changed the life of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire those students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he, could, how he could get those predominantly black and Puerto Rican children to even look at him. Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak from the heart. Stay in school, he admonished, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time they had hoped, said one student, I had something to look forward to, someone waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. You know what? I live in the sure and certain hope that I have something to look forward to because I have a Savior who paid my penalty. And that Savior tells me that this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. And there's not going to be any wheelchairs in heaven. Not going to be any pain, physical pain, And God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. We're not going to have to say goodbye to loved ones for much longer. And I'm grateful for that. All right. Well, wrapping up to our final point. Uh, To know Christ, you must know your need. This is so key. Because without knowing your need, you can't know Christ As Paul said, his desire was to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Psalm 107, 10-15 says, Such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the word of God and and contemned the counsel of the Most High, 
Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. When I think about this, I think about the Pharisees. Jesus told them that he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when I read that as a kid, I thought, well, obviously righteous people don't need to repent. So that's why he said that. But the more I studied that passage, the more I realized he was talking to people who thought they were righteous. They said, I'm a pretty good person. And so they didn't need him, and so he couldn't help them. The reality is, the book of James says that if we have sinned in one point, we're guilty of violating all of the law. But we have a Savior who stands between us and death and who, before we're saved, reaches out to us and calls to us to become his own. And after we're saved, he stands before God as an advocate. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, I write these things to you that you sin not. But if you sin, his admonishment was not to sin. But the reality is he knows that we fight sinful flesh. And so he says, if you sin... You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the reality in which we now live. And that is something that I am very thankful for on this Thanksgiving weekend. And no matter what the world does with Jesus, all that matters is what we as individuals do with Jesus. He's not interested to know what our president or any of the other world leaders do with Jesus. He's interested to know what I am doing with Jesus. He's interested to know what you are doing with Jesus. It's the fundamental question of our time is, who is Jesus? And not who is Jesus to you, because that can be dangerous. I mean, you do need to ask that question because you need to know who Jesus is to you, but it doesn't matter how sincere you are, if you're sincerely wrong, you'll go to hell. That's the bottom line. As I said earlier, there's only one way to heaven. Alright, as we close, I just want to share with I just want somebody to look up and read Ephesians 5 verse 8. Ephesians 5.8, if one of you gentlemen could stand and read that for me. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Think about this. You were formerly darkness. Paul said it this way, there is nothing in my flesh that's good. When the, when the, when the, Religious leader, the rich young ruler, came to Jesus and said, How can I get eternal, good teacher, how can I get eternal life? What did Jesus say? He said, No one's good but God alone. So, in his own way, this rich young ruler was, was 
acknowledging at least to an extent that Jesus was more than just a mere man. There's nothing good in me, but because of Christ, there's light in me. He said to us, he said to his disciples, I am the light of the world. And then he said, I'm going to come and indwell you by my Holy Spirit. And then he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So, my encouragement to you as we close is Paul said what the Ephesians were positionally, basically saying even if you're not walking correctly every day, you still have a position as a child of light. And so what did he say? He said if you're a child of light, walk as a child of light. Show people that that's who you are. Show people as Peter and John did, that you've been with Jesus. And you can't show that unless it's a reality in your life. The sidewalk prophets who um, are a contemporary Christian group, one of their songs that I particularly like is called Live Like That. If you ever get a chance, look it up on YouTube, listen to it. But some of the lyrics are these. Sometimes I think, what will people say of me when I'm only just a memory, when I'm home where my soul belongs? <coughs> was I love when no one else would show up? Was I Jesus to the rest, to the least of us? Was my worship more than just a song? People pass, and even if they don't know my name, is there evidence that I've been changed? When they see me, do they see you? That's what our goal should be. When they see us, that they would see Jesus. Thanks be to God for the unspeakable gift of his Son, and thanks be to God that his mercy does indeed endure forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these truths in Psalm 107. We thank you uh, for the psalmist who you inspired to pen them. And we just pray that as we go forth from this place, it would be in a spirit of thankfulness that we would, that we would have gratitude for all that you've done for us and that our face would show it, Lord. Um, that, that we would be people who smile often because we have the greatest hope ever known to man that the Creator God paid our sin debt. And I pray that if there be anyone here that does not yet know you, that they would be able to trust you tonight so that they would be able to say with the rest of us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Be with us as we go our separate ways. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name.
Amen.